mercy, and peace to you from our incarnate and risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last night we sang one of the favorite Christmas hymns, probably being sung in all churches across the world, Silent Night and Holy Night. We sang that it was a silent night, a holy night, all was calm and all was bright. But if I recall, I don't know what your experience has been, but my experience of childbirth is anything but calm or quiet. In fact, I remember a time when we had our fourth child. Adam came along in the middle of the night. It was actually Easter morning, very early, one o'clock in the morning. And my wife tells me that she's been having contractions and by the time she tells me, of course, your fourth child comes along, they tend to get quicker and quicker as they go, that the contractions are down to like two minutes. And of course, being the uh, quick to action person I am, I called an ambulance in the middle of the night because we had nobody to watch our kids and so we had to figure out a way to get her to the hospital and get, do we want to wake the kids up and get them in the car? It was, one of those nights, the ambulance came in with the stretcher and took her off into the night. And I waited for the babysitter to show up. Until finally, I got to the hospital just in time, and Adam was born that Easter morning. One of my favorite Christian artists is Andrew Peterson, and Andrew Peterson has a Christmas album called Behold the Lamb. And in his Christmas album, my, one of my favorite songs is called The Labor of Love. And in it, he sings about the birth of Jesus and the labor of Mary. And he begins with the lyrics, It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyways that night on the streets of David's town. And the stable was not clean, and the cobblestone were cold, and little Mary, full of grace, with the tears upon her face, had no mother's hand to hold. It was a labor of pain. It was a cold sky above. But for the girl on the ground in the dark, with every beat of her beautiful heart, it was a labor of love. When we read these words from John chapter 1 that we tend to read every Christmas, do we realize what it's saying? John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh. This is perhaps the most profound and significant words that were, have been, ever been expressed on any written page or out of any human mouth, that the word would become flesh. Because it's telling us that what we're experiencing in Jesus Christ is not the glory and majesty of God in its brightest and purest and calmest sense, but the most human experience of the birth of a child. It's expressing the earthly reality. The human experience, the miracle is that God would experience flesh. Christians tend to pass over this because we're more comfortable with the divine word in heaven. 
the one who is so far above us all, the one who made the world, the God who sits between the cherubim, who watches over all things from a distance. In many ways, that's the way the religious class in Jesus' day thought about God. In John chapter 7, Jesus is addressing the religious leaders whom John calls the Jews, who are seeking to kill him. And as he goes into this dialogue, which goes much deeper in John than you have in any of the other four gospels, in any of the other three gospels, he gets to the point where he tells them, you judge according to the flesh. Uses that same word, flesh. The word became flesh, and he says, you judge according to the flesh. He says to them, I did one work, and you all marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus is pointing out how they're only looking at outward appearances. Circumcision is the most fleshly of things that the Bible talks about. It's such a human experience that we don't even tend to talk about it or think about it. But it was very common to them, and it was part of a fundamental foundation to their religion. And they looked at these things, but they only saw them from the outside in terms of the religious ritual and significance according to the flesh. But Jesus has made a man's sick body whole. He says, don't judge by outward appearances. It is easier for us to judge by outward appearances. We do it all the time with people all around us. We judge people according to how they dress, their manner of life, what they own, how they appear on commercials at Christmas time, what's under the Christmas tree, how we talk, the color of our skin, our accent, and on and on. We judge according to the flesh. And sometimes we do the same thing with God in a different way. We judge him only according to the spirit. We keep God at a distance. Because if God were too close, if he got too close to us, we know it would be uncomfortable. As long as he is far away or compartmentalized into just part of our life, like just coming to church on Christmas and leaving him behind the rest of the year or just dealing with him on Sunday but forgetting about him on Monday, well, that's where the Pharisees had ended up. The Pharisees had separated the human from the spiritual. They had created religion into something where God was at a distance, where he remained, and then humans were down here where they remained. And the Pharisees judged Jesus by these standards. In terms of where he come from, came from, what he looked like, his education, his approval to meet the system of religious authority, so they conceived that the Messiah was not going to be anything like Jesus from Nazareth. 
To them, the Messiah was going to be glorious. He was going to be perfect. And he was going to bring in his power and majesty so that all the world could tell this is the king of Israel. He was going to claim the throne. He was going to bring freedom to deliver the people from suffering now and forever. And if they could just outwardly keep the observation of God's rules, then this Messiah would welcome them. And so Jesus says, you judge according to the flesh. What this word flesh means then, when we say the word became flesh, is to say in John in particular, that it's a creaturely existence. Earthly, human, weak. Sometimes the Bible uses flesh in particular to talk about the sinful condition of being a creature. And so we have a sinful flesh. But on its own, the word flesh just means lowly in contrast to God. It means earthly in contrast to heavenly. It means earth with a material, physical existence. So think of what characterizes flesh. It's characterized by limitation. Not being able to be everywhere at once. Not being able to pass through walls and doors that are locked. It means living in a realm where we experience things like hunger, thirst, pain and relief, cravings, a weakness that is so contrasted by the strength of God that we get sick and ultimately we're doomed to die. We're mortal men. In this sense, we can begin to ponder the significance of the word became flesh. It means that the divine existence of God himself, God's eternal thoughts and words that existed before time began, that brought this world into being, the design and purpose and material that came into being when God said, let there be light, has now clothed himself with our existence with his own creation's experience of life and suffering and death. We could translate it, the word became a creaturely mortal, limited human being. This is why they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize God because they were looking for a God that would be completely separate from suffering, that would take them out of suffering, that whose holiness would destroy all their enemies on the spot and make things nice again. But Jesus didn't just make things nice again. In all outward observation, Jesus was unappealing to the people that thought of God this way. Jesus was too limited. It means that it was not a silent night. That baby did not come calmly into this world. And he was not glowing with some radiance that meant he never cried. No, there was crying. Mary cried. Jesus cried. There was pain. There was a husband, Joseph, stressed and worrying. There was a baby naked, cold and needy, who needed his mom 
who needed food, who needed clothing, who needed shelter. There was a baby who needed his diapers changed. Jesus felt pain. It was a labor of love. You see, for each of us, we need this because we can relate to it. We are flesh. We are limited to an earthly experience of life, to dirty diapers, dirty, messy, discouraging life. We are flesh with arms and legs, with hands and feet, with a mouth and ears. We experience the world through the flesh, our throat, our stomach, our intestines, our lungs. We process things through this experience, our heart, which feels, which beats life through us. But then all of these things become how we also are going to experience something more. He became all of this in all its limitations. And it meant that through Jesus, we can't see it all, we can't solve it all, we can't cure it all. The experience of the flesh is teaching us that God has come to our world, Emmanuel. And it's why we came to church today. You didn't just come to church to sing some happy songs that make you feel good. That's part of Christmas, the joy. But you came to see the baby in his sorrow and the significance of God in the flesh. You are not divine. But then again, we're not merely flesh. Jesus became flesh, meaning that he could enter into all of these experiences, the things that trouble us. And he wouldn't use his divine majesty to bypass any of it, to get past the cross, but he wants us to see through it all there is something beyond the cross. We aren't just here to moan and groan about life. What shocks us the most is that through the cross, God's glory would be revealed, and beyond the cross, there is something more. We just don't fully experience it yet. It shocks us because we find that God is not the elaborate thing that we thought he was. He's not found in how great the rituals are in church or how majestic the experience is of a a nicely built church with all the incense and wonders and great music. No, we encounter him in the cross. We encounter him in pain, in suffering, in loneliness, in our fleshly limited experiences is where God is found so that we, through those experiences, might be born again. Born from above, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but be born of God. That's where we will encounter God in a labor of love, in the pain of childbirth, in a sleep-deprived, diaper-changing parent, in confusion or sickness, in despair of the loss of someone in death, In all this creatureliness, we discover God because we know that God is more than just flesh. (coughs) We are more than just mortal. 
We are more than just flesh. We are also spirit. And Jesus says, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So despite everything we're seeing in the world around us and despite everything we see in Jesus being so human in every way, we see more. We see more in our own experience of God that it's not just sadness, it's not just sickness, it's not just death. In the flesh, the word appeared to carry our sins. Through our own fallen creation, his hands were nailed to the wood. A spear pierced his side. And he didn't only feel our human experience, but he accepted it completely to the point of divine suffering. Of being forsaken by his own heavenly father in the flesh. Jesus has saved us. Not by showing us a path to complete calm and quiet and happiness in outward appearances, but to a calmness within. In the flesh he died and in the flesh he rose again to be glorified into a new life beyond sin. It was a labor of love. And that is really the meaning of the hymn, Silent Night. What we're really singing about, we say, Silent Night, Holy Night, Always Calm, Always Bright, is not the true experience of bearing a child in a human way, but the meaning of Jesus' birth. That it brings to us at Christmas time a calm, a quiet, a peace. In the chaos and uncertainty, God is calm. In labor pains that are intense, God is with us. When sin overwhelms us, God is delivering us. Jesus is the Son of God, loves pure light. That is the labor of love. And on that Easter morning when we had our baby, we named him Adam. But we want to remember as Christians on that Easter morning, there was a new Adam born. A new Adam that was born for us, for all of us. That Jesus labored for love and like a woman in birth pains, the whole creation is in birth pains. Because God is bringing forth something new. The word became flesh and now he dwells on high to the place where we will go. In Jesus' name, amen.